This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us for what is actually going to be our season finale of this podcast. Uh, we've done three seasons of this, and thank you guys so much for your support and for, more importantly, supporting all of the Awana ministry efforts. Uh, today, I am joined by Sam Luce and Matt Markin. Sam and Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. So, we have sort of titled this conversation, What is Our North Star? And this is an extension of something that I heard both of you speaking to at a recent gathering that Awana had called the Child Discipleship Summit. And Matt, I want to start with you because I know that you have a keen sense of where we as a children's ministry community have been and where you and so many others who are invested in this child discipleship movement want to take the children's ministry community and bring us along and follow God's passion uh, for the sake of the future of the faith. So just to sort of set expectations here, what is our North Star? But historically, where have we as a community been prioritizing um, our ministry efforts? Well, this is like, uh, you're asking a question that's really about the difference between what any individual uh, children's ministry leader could want or aspire versus what do we all want collectively? Like any any one of us in children's ministry, we probably got into this uh, because we saw the impact, like, like we were volunteering or someone kind of wrangled us in and we got involved and we experienced it. And we saw the power of what, what investing in kids is capable of. Like we saw the influence of the gospel. We saw kids' lives change. And we were like, wow, I want more of this, right? Like that's that's what we all want. We all want lasting faith in children, kids who are going to go into the youth group and young adulthood with a thriving faith. But collectively, what do we want? Like, what's the bigger collective vision we have together? So you guys, uh, Sam and Ross, you guys both know we work closely with a gentleman named Mark Matlock. He's the co-author of Faith for Exiles with David Kinneman. And so Mark and I were talking this last year about some stuff that Sam and I were dreaming up together. And he said, Matt, what you're describing is called a collective impact model. And he was like, Matt, it just so happens that I've attended the Stanford School of uh, Collective Impact Modeling. It's like, oh, okay, wow, I didn't know that. So uh, so Mark, Mark had some experience in getting some training in this. And there's like a handful of basic principles that collective impact models are built, built around. And it's this idea of you've got a group of churches or a group of organizations and churches, et cetera, all coming together with a bigger dream for increased collective impact. And one of the key elements is being able to generally describe your North Star in such a way that everyone says, aha, that is it. That's what I'm after, right? And so as it relates to children's ministry, what is it that Sam's after? What is it that the kids pastor across town and all of us across the country and around the world, what are we after? And I think that is lasting faith in our kids, that when we look around the throne room in, Gen in, in Revelation chapter 7, we want to be able to say, ah, they're there. They made it. They're here in the kingdom of heaven forever. Like, But they had lasting faith here on earth, and they thrived as a disciple in, the, in adulthood. So therefore, our North Star in children's ministry is discipleship, that, that our children would become disciples. And so throughout the course of this event that Sam and I were a part of together, along with you, Ross, and many other people, 
uh, we were able to define what are the key elements that make up child discipleship uh, that is our North Star. Yeah. And I want to have you define that here because I think it's important for people to hear clearly where we are. Like you said, we've all been invested in this, right? Like I, the last thing I would want anybody to hear in this conversation is any sort of condemnation that you were doing it wrong. Yeah. Everybody, no matter what has, no matter how long you've been a part of this community, no matter what your context looks like, you have been invested in lasting faith. Yes. What I found so compelling about how you guys articulated this was it speaks to how to prioritize discipleship over Correct. things that sometimes can distract us. So for purposes of providing handles, how are we defining child discipleship? Yeah, I think, I think what we're saying is child discipleship is more distinct than children's ministry, meaning children's ministry can mean a lot of things, right? Like children's ministry is kind of a broad term where collectively as a broader community, we might put a lot of things in that bucket. We might describe it different ways. However, child discipleship is more of a narrow target. It's it's more clearly articulated and defined. And so this, this event that Sam and I were a part of together, we, we gave four general terms. You guys might have to help me see if I can get all these, but uh, kind of the four key areas within child discipleship. And I think the first two are a double-sided coin that are together, and it's uh, gospel and scripture engagement. They're, they're, they go together, right? Like, where's the gospel come from? It comes from the Bible. So it's two sides of a coin, but they're both articulated slightly differently. The third element is community, or we would say relationships. And that fourth element, we would say, is experiences, like, like practices or or spiritual disciplines, or being able to use my gifts and volunteer, et cetera. So we, we, could, we could take some time kind of unpacking those four areas. Now, as an organization, Ross, we, we would communicate those as belong, believe, become. Belong is highly relational. It's that community aspect. Believe is deeply scriptural, where we get the gospel from. And become is truly experiential, which is the living out the practices, et cetera. But, but in terms of general terms, like non-Awana terms, we would say gospel, scripture engagement, community and experiences would be kind of the four terms that would loosely define the key elements of child discipleship. So I want to dive into those four terms, um, but I do think it's important also to recognize that people who are coming into this conversation might feel um, ill-equipped for what we're laying out. They may feel like, I don't know how to help kids engage in scripture because no one ever showed me how to engage in scripture. Or they may be, some of you may be even asking the question, what is actually asked of me in scripture when it comes to child discipleship? So Sam, for you, just again, to provide some handles for this conversation, when we talk about scripture engagement, when we talk about um, experience, what is the foundation that we are building this off of that we get from scripture? Yeah, I mean, I think that the foundation for us as parents and as pastors and as leaders and uh, is is to go into the world, right? The Great Commission, God's last command should be our first priority uh, in everything that we do. It's he's saying to go into the world, make disciples, um, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the part I love about that is he says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So it's not something that we do alone. So the like, and I think that's where you, again, you see the belong, believe, become. It's that experiential aspect is the sense of that the Holy Spirit's with us to empower us to proclaim what we have experienced in a way that um, that our kids can understand. And I think 
uh, for parents, again, it's, you don't have to be a theologian, you know, uh, to be able to disciple your kids. What you have to be is a, is a deeply devoted follower of Christ that says, this is the most important thing uh, in my life, because we all, we disciple, we disciple our kids into the thing that we love most, right? The thing that um, I was, I, one of the things I do for our child, our child dedication service is I, I talk about what the gospel demands from us as parents. And one of those is to, to suffer publicly, um, you know, is to live transparently, to suffer publicly. And, and it's just all these different things that the gospel requires from us. And uh, the reason why it is, I, I say suffer publicly is because what, what causes us pain, like reveals to our kids, the thing that's most valuable to us, that when that thing is shaken, when that thing is, is moved, when that thing is, is, uh, is, is shaken in such a way that it, it causes pain to us, our kids say, oh, that's what their God is. That's what they love, right? And the thing that we run to when we experience pain shows our kids what we believe our Savior to be. And so uh, what we're doing is, is inadvertently, uh, even if we're not doing it in a proactive way, we, through, in a reactive way, we're discipling our kids. We're saying this is what we think is most valuable in the world, and this is what we think what can save us from the sorrow that we experience in the world due to the fallen nature of man. So I think for us as, as Christ followers and as, as pastors, we have to think, we have to be like what Matt's saying is, uh, we have to be proactive about this, not reactive to say, okay, here's what I want. Here's what I want my kids to know about who God is. And, and we have this, you know, we have this window of opportunity to explain to our kids, this is what is most important to us. This is what has been most important to the church historically. And this is what will rescue you from the, from the fallen nature of man and the sorrows that you experience in this life. So Sam, I, I've got a follow-up question. So, so if, if collectively, as a, as a children's ministry community, if our North Star, the thing that we're all shooting for together, is child discipleship, child discipleship, and if if loosely we would define those as you know engage, the gospel, engaging the scriptures, uh, surrounding that child with a relational community and, and experiences. So let's go specifically to that gospel slash Bible piece. Um, I might be hearing this podcast and, and think to myself, well, of course, like, how could you, the how could you talk about child discipleship without the Bible and without the gospel? So like articulate for us, like in today's highly secularized age, why is it so important that we be really clear, really explicit that engaging the Bible consistently and regularly in, in a variety of ways and articulating the gospel is so important? Like, like kind of unpack that in a little detail for us. Yeah, I think I think what it is is though I think that there is so many different models that we have been given, like in the church, right? Uh, models of of leadership, uh, models of um, even like uh, this entertainment, this, uh, this this these models of how do we get more kids coming and uh, measure. You know, it's it's really what it comes down to. I think is is what we measure, right? And uh, the problem is, I think in in the collective kids ministry world, I think we've measured, uh, sometimes have measured the wrong thing. So we have measured not how many kids are discipled and in turn are discipling others, but we've measured how many kids are attending the events that we're producing. And there's nothing wrong with doing events. Those are, that's all part of it. But in terms of gospel impact, what happened, what will change their life is when they understand, number one, that, um, that, that this world was created by God. Uh, to, in a perfect way, that he created it perfectly, 
and there it was the way he always intended it to be and and man sinned right adam and eve sinned and their sin affects us and the antidote to sin is christ coming to live a perfect life die a death that uh on our behalf that we couldn't do because of our sin rise again right and and is coming back again right to make all things new so be, in light of that reality right that helps us to have a frame by which we disciple our kids because it's 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 not just this it's not just my kids need to know um need to raise their hand and come forward and and you know jesus they have to understand the where they fit in the whole process of redemption right that yeah. that god is coming back and he's making all things new and what that does is that does for our kids is that that hand raising is important and coming to know christ is a valuable thing we want kids to experience have that experience like you're talking about but we have to understand that experience in light of the history of the church right and in light of the future of the church and where we stand in that place in the in our in our cultural moment as you're saying it allows us to interact in a more a more uh informed way i think you know in the sense of I understand that because I have been redeemed, because what Christ has done for me, therefore I will go, therefore I will proclaim, therefore I will live my life in the midst of the, the difficulties of this world with hope, knowing that 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 Christ is coming again to make all things new, that that my sorrows in this life are light and they're momentary compared to eternity. And I think that that is what we need to be a resilient disciple, is that we have to help our kids understand that that christianity is 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 something that god has done in us that god has done for us and god does through us right it is our faith is not just something that we that we aspire to necessarily it's something that god has done on our behalf it's something that god has done for us that we that we grab a hold of by faith by through the grace of god and his provision for us and i think that's why that that's where the where it's happened where, where a lot of this is gone wrong i think matt is that when we fail to understand the historic nature of the protestant reformation and what and what we, the, you know those the solas of scripture you know i mean that in christ alone through faith alone by grace alone right we understand that that's how we're saved and that informs how we in turn disciple and and preach the proclaim the gospel to others it's not something that i have obtained it's a gift that has been given to me by by god God's grace that I grab a hold of by faith. And when you understand that, what happens is that changes the way that you reach kids because you're not just looking for more and responses. You're looking for how do, where do they really understand the grace of God? Do they understand the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do they understand the, the, uh, the work of Christ on their behalf? It's a good word, Sam, because I want to, like, let's talk about that grabbing hold of, because Matt, you know, you used the handle scripture engagement. You used to use that term uh, that Sam said, like a faith that I can grab a hold of. So, you know, as we witness the work, you know, we encounter Jesus in the scriptures, like, like the gospel intersects our life. Uh, Jesus calls us to a life of, of loving him and following him and, and, and being a Christ follower. And so it's like, okay, well, what do, what do we do now? Right. So, and I, I think as children's ministry leaders, we can learn from what Pastor uh, John Mark Comer says, which is, we, do we try harder or do we train harder? In other words, what do I do as a Christian? Like, And I think as Christians, we're like, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying so hard to be a Christ follower. 
But I think what we see actually happening in the scripture and what we see Jesus calling us to, which is to be a disciple. And I think we can grab hold, as Sam said, we can grab hold of some of those practices, yeah. which we would call those training. So so I, I played high school sports, so football, baseball, basketball, which is small schools. So I was able to you know play a, a few of these sports. And you have drills, like you have certain drills that you do this drill and then that drill and this drill, those mm -hmm. drills, you're learning certain skills in your training. And so as children's ministry leaders, what can we do? What are the different drills, so to speak, uh, using meta that metaphor? What are the different practices we can yeah, employ to help children engage the Bible? So let's think, let's like, let's think from the top and kind of go more narrow. Like at the top end, you have like corporate engagement of the Bible, adults and, and children all in the room together. And I realize you've got children of different levels of, of reading levels or development levels. But assuming we're talking about children who are probably, you know, maybe second grade and above, you know, you're talking about how do we read the Bible together? You know, so so have a have a church culture where the pastor says or a leader, worship leader says, I'm going to read the portion in white and you're going to read the portion in Greek or whatever. You know, right. so these basic disciplines of we love the Bible so much, we engage it publicly together. Right. Or we're going to stand and we're going to all read a scripture together. When a pastor reads the Bible and he's done reading and he says, this is the word of the Lord. And he pauses and the congregation says, thanks be to God. You know, there's certain traditions we can do to say the reading of this book is significant and it's important. Right. So there's corporate reading. And then you've got like in the children's ministry, large group time, right? You know, the same sort of thing. We're reading it together. We're memorizing it together. You have little contests, you know, boys versus girls who can memorize this faster, you know, just little ways to engage it. And then in small group, we're sitting eye to eye, knee to knee. You know, you've got an adult leader who's looking to a child who says, hey, this verse right here, this was a prayer by a king named David. And honestly, he was very imperfect, just like we were. Matter of fact, he sinned pretty big, you know, <laughs> he sent a man out into battle and got him killed. And then he loved a wife who was not his own. Like, like kids can grasp like, Ooh, that's a really big, bad thing. And you're telling me that God loved him and God had a heart for him, you know? So read it eye to eye, knee to knee, explain it in, in a conversation where an adult can share the Bible in a small group. And then we memorize it together. And what, by the way, one way to memorize it. So talk about scripture engagement, Ross is to break it down phrase by phrase. Like, make sure they understand the meaning of this portion of this phrase of this and it's like okay we that was a three-line verse and because we broke it down we were able to understand the meaning behind it and then and then i would say lastly ross it's like challenging children to go home every week and give them a portion of scripture to read and come back and we're going to talk about it next week right so what do we hear here we hear corporate reading we hear children together, adults and children, children on their own, a variety of ways. And by the way, we didn't even talk about music, scripture to music. So yeah. what does LifeWays research tell us? LifeWays research says the more you engage the Bible, the more you grow. And so, so what Sam was saying, essentially, by giving us a framework of the gospel so we can understand faith to grab a hold of, and then practical ways that we can help children, you know, to elevate the importance of it and for them to put it in their lives, that's going to lead to training and training can lead to transformation. You know, I'd say to that, Matt, too, also is like when you said that, it made me think of my high school coach. You know, he said that the, the team with the best fundamentals will always win. Yeah. Right? Those are the fundamental things. So I think in the whole idea of child discipleship, right, it's it's what are the fundamentals of 
And I think when you when you say that that compose uh, the the what these what these uh, practices look like. So we all have things that we think to be fundamental in terms of our ministry, right? So what we're saying is that when when they're when those fundamentals like you were describing are informed by this north star of child discipleship, right? What happens is it is it changes. Say okay, so these fun these things that we're doing, we we have to swap out some of these because that does not match the the stated outcome of our kids becoming fully. Uh, fully devoted followers of Christ that are resilient in the culture that they live in. I love yeah. that. I, lo- I love the alignment between the stated outcome of child discipleship and as a part of that, the gospel and scripture engagement are important. Therefore, these are the types of practices and tactics and methodologies we want to put in place to align to that vision. That's awesome. Exactly. Because when you when you measure that, you're saying this is what we're going to measure. Right. It, it informs the activities that you perform and the, the, the things that you do, the practical ways in which you say, man, we want this to happen. And I think that's that's where the conversation really needs to happen is, is if we all agree to this, which I think that most people would say, yes, let's say what the next part of the conversation I think that we have to get into is, OK, so what are the fundamentals that you think are fundamental to your ministry that you say these are the things that we must do? Because those are the things I think that we have to challenge to say, then the reason why we're not seeing our stated belief of child discipleship is because we have some fundamentals that are not truly fundamental to that that goal. That's really good. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Research is clear. Parents hold the most significant influence in a child's development. That's why Awana developed Talk About. Talk About delivers child discipleship through simple discussions and family fun, forming lasting faith one conversation at a time. With your family's monthly subscription, you'll receive an email each week containing your Talk About bundle, including guided conversations through suggested scripture passages, which allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. You'll also get fun, hands-on activities to take the guesswork out of child discipleship. Kids will color, create, sing, and share, and kids will remember and reinforce what they've learned throughout the week. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. Bring the gospel home and help your kids form lasting faith one conversation at a time. Try one month of Talk About for free with this special promo code exclusive for our podcast listeners. Resilient. That's resilient for one month of Talk About for free. Get started today at talkaboutdiscipleship.com. None of what Matt and Sam just talked about was programmed. None of it was program specific. What we're talking about is fundamentals and uh, trainings for child discipleship. So no matter what your context looks like, this is what you can engage in week in and week out with the kids in your community. Yep. And for community, I want to lean into that, Matt, because you not only mentioned that as part of sort of this pillar of child discipleship, but I think the reason this matters to me is I have very young kids. I have a six-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. And it is increasingly apparent to me how easy it will be for them to have an even more isolated experience than the epidemic of loneliness and isolation that we see amongst kids today and youth today. Mm -hmm. So why is community 
so important to discipleship? And what role can the church play in providing community when there is going to be increasingly less places for kids to find that? So we use that word belong or belonging for community. And what we mean by belong is when kids experience belonging, what they're experiencing is a highly relational ministry led by loving, caring adults. And, and you can just look at Jesus, like the way Jesus engaged people. He was basically modeling for us. Here's how you engage people. You ask questions. You're kind. You love them. You speak truth. Like he was showing us what it means to be a highly uh, relational leader. And so we can even learn from all sorts of research how important this is. Like the Harvard Center for the Developing Child has that classic, you know, research that says, you know, if you want to help kids be successful in life, if you walk alongside them, they're far more likely, uh, if, they, if they have one loving, caring adult that they have access to, they're far more likely to be successful in life. So what can the church learn for that? Well, how can we put a community of loving, caring adults around each child in our church? Okay, like that's the answer. But the church has a mathematics problem. Like the, the problem is the average children's ministry pastor or leader or director is going, okay, I love that. I hear that. But how do I actually get the level of engagement I need within my church community? So if I'm a kid's pastor, the way I'm going to solve that is I'm going to try to figure out how to get time with my lead pastor. And I'm going to ask questions. Like I'm going to have coffee, conversation. This, is, this probably isn't a one-time event. It's probably a multiple conversation thing. And I want to help my pastor lift their eyes to the future. And I want to say what for these kids who are in our church now, like, what is it we're going to do that's going to lead to lasting faith that they'll be the ones leading our church in two generations from now, right? Like, like that's the kind of conversation we want to have. And, and, and we, if we know that the research says it takes loving, caring adults, investing in children, coaching them, discipling, mentoring them, and we don't have enough, then I need my pastor to hopefully feel the weight of that like to feel like we will you please help me solve this problem otherwise we're undermining the impact of the long term even the midterm you know impact of our church so how can i help my pastor feel i can help my pastor feel the weight of that by telling stories i can give an example uh and, and in such a way where i tell the story and they go oh i don't want that you know what can we do help me solve let me help solve that what's my point my point is if we can get pastors involved in casting vision to the congregation, child advocacy, kids matter, children matter, and investing them is the most strategic play the church has. We already know that worldview is established by age 13. In case anyone hasn't heard that stat before, worldview is largely established by age 13. So who is that? That 13-year-old is a, someone who's just starting out in your middle school ministry. Three years before that, they were in your children's ministry. What is that? 19 years old. Yeah, right. So that nine, 10 year old child, how have they been formed up to that point? Like this is the most important work your church, church could be doing to shape disciples because these are the demographic that's most open to being shaped by the gospel. Right. So as lead pastors, if we can help our lead pastors understand kind of two things, number one, that's like, these are the people who need shaping. But number two, that if we can get adults discipling them and mentoring them and teaching and leading and volunteering, guess what's gonna happen with those adults? those adults are going to probably be, be getting more discipleship in that environment than they were what than what they were doing prior to that probably sitting in a church doing not as much right so totally if we can get adults engaging with children loving caring trained adults engaging with kids uh, then they're going to be participating they're going to be learning and growing and you're going to invest in more children and you're going to influence more lives so i would invite my pastor into that process and have my pastor help cast vision 
to change the relational culture of our local church? And I would just, I think it's so good. I would just, the only thing I would add to that is to say that um, I think we have to help our kids understand that what we believe is not what, uh, for so long, we've, we've had this idea of this that's come around in small groups. You, know, you go to a small group and you say, you know, what did this, what did this verse mean to you? Right. So that 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 mentality of of um, scriptural engagement has been so pervasive in our culture that that's the way that we approach the Bible. That's the way so many of our even our our, our teachers approach the Bible. And I think it's important for them to understand that um, in this community aspect, that uh, our faith is not primary individual. Our faith is communal. Mm-hmm. Our faith has been handed to us. It is a faith that has been entrusted to us that that to pass it on to those uh, who come after us. And we experience we experience Christ, you know, in an individual way. Like He comes to us in that way. And but, but the faith that we have is a faith that has been entrusted to us. And so I, I would say by helping our kids memorize like the Apostles' Creed, uh, we're going through the Apostles' Creed with our kids right now. And and that's a great way for kids to understand that this is bigger than me. This is this is something I'm a part of. This is a community that, and we all recite it together during when we memorize our scripture. We memorize scripture. We memorize creeds. We memorize um, uh, catechisms. We do all those things because those are communal things that we do together. Like Matt saying that we recite these things together to say this is what we believe. We believe this together. Say I believe in God, the Father, Maker of heaven and earth. You're saying you're proclaiming it individually, but corporately, right? So I would say that's super important. The other thing is to involve, like Matt saying that you know, enlist your pastor, but but get every single generation of your church involved in serving the kids. You know, what, what happens sometimes, I think, is that sometimes you, you go to a church and it's very teen heavy. You got a bunch of teenagers helping, which is super great, you know, because they install energy. They, they, they're a more of a direct person they look up to. But those kids are missing out on, on moms and dads that a lot of those kids have come from broken homes. You know, they're missing out on grandpas and grandmas who have been through the worst that life has to offer. And, 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 and can be able to tell those kids that Jesus is sweeter still. So you need every single generation to be able to pour back into those kids. And so if I think you need to evaluate as a kid's pastor, say, you know, where are we? And, and, and we all do this. We tend to be, when I first started, I was, I was, I was helping with the youth. We were very youth heavy. We were parent and grandparent deficient. And now as the stage of life I'm in, we're more parent heavy and we need more kids and we need more grandparents. And they need every single generation uh, proclaiming a truth that is not that is beyond them, that is bigger than them. And I think that's how you help them understand that I am part of something bigger than me, which is which helps them to understand community. Because we do it in such a superficial level. We say, okay, let's do pizza parties. Like it's important for kids to have fun, but they need to understand that I'm part of the church universal. And uh, this is what where God has planted me by his grace to be a light to the world. Boy, that that uh, intergenerational, multi-generational, I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, that's what we see in scripture, but it's also backed up by a ton of research that says when kids have multiple adults spanning multiple generations who are interacting with them on a consistent basis, it develops that web of relationships, as Kara Powell says. Uh, you know, it, it, there's accountability in that. There's identity in that. There's community. There's so much there. That's very attractive, by the way, because, you know, you get out of college in your young adulthood and you're like trying to establish yourself and you're going like, who am I? Where do I fit? Right. And then all of a sudden your memory is like, I remember this mm-hmm. loving community yeah. that's welcoming me back. And so, yeah, that, yeah. that's that multi-generational thing is where it's at. And you see in Paul, you see Paul, he says, you know, make sure you say hi to Rufus, right? 
and her mother, who is a mother to me as well. And so you see that throughout the scripture. That is that is so valuable that we don't capitalize on enough, like especially in a world that is so transient, you know, people yeah. moving for jobs, you know, people don't grow up around their family anymore. Like I know that our church has been a family to my kids yeah, uh, with both here. of our parents being so different, so, so far away. And that is invaluable. And you're also pointing out, we don't have enough children named Rufus today. maybe we just inspired somebody that's a really good point and if if that is you please let us know (laughs) please let us know we want to meet little rufus yeah um i want to land the plane here you know i think we've laid out a lot of options and potential for experiences in that sort of fourth leg of this child discipleship stool uh so i will you know just ask either of you if there's other ideas and practical things to mention please lay them out. But what I think I want to make sure people hear from you is let's say someone's listening to this and they're ready to charge the hill because they've recognized that their North star of their ministry has been some of the lesser things you guys have spoken to. It's been entertainment. It's been attractional, those kinds of things. Matt, you spoke to this really plainly about grab your senior pastor and start having this series of conversations. But what encouragement can we offer while they're navigating that hard transition season about what it's going to look like on the other side? When you make your North Star child discipleship, what do you see in your ministry that you don't see when your North Star is lesser things? When, when I've got a big project and I, and I see all of these details, I can get really overwhelmed. But when I take the time to kind of whiteboard it, kind of mind map it out. And I just list out all of the components, right? Like I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I can't forget this. Just getting it all out of my head and getting it on paper. And then going through a process where I start asking the questions, how many of these things would fall into like category A, B, C, you know what I mean? It's like you go through a process of just getting everything out of your head and and really simplifying it down to say, okay, now that I look at it after I've had a little bit of time to think through, there's just a handful of like key questions or key components. And I, and I say that to say with how the world is shaping our children, it can be overwhelming. We can start thinking about, boy, how is today's children's ministry going to you know, produce you know, the disciples of the future? And, and I think what we have to do is get all of the thoughts out of our head, write them on a note sheet, a, a sheet of paper, and then ask the basic questions. Okay, what are we going to do as a church? That's going to lead to lasting faith. Not what programs are most important, or uh, you know, wh- what are we currently doing, but like, what are the key, the very few key things we can do that are going to lead to lasting faith? And having that practical conversation and just getting that started, I think, is super important. That, that's what I would focus people to take a step toward today and to begin that conversation. Yeah. Again, I think. Um... I think when we talk about experience, Matt, like the thing um, that I think is so important is that 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 kids pastors um, look at their when they look at their job, they don't look at it as a as a like a career. They look at it as a vocation. So when you look at your job as a career, what happens is is you you're, what you do is you see your experiences. My job, my goal is to. Uh, achieve the highest rung on the on the ladder of success, right? But when you look at it as a vocation, you understand that it's a calling and that God has called me to a particular place, to a particular time, for a particular uh, reason. And what that does is that shapes your experiences. Mm-hmm. And 
And one of the things I've found by, um, and you know, this isn't the only way you should do ministry, but, but being in the same church for so many years, what I've found is it's allowed me to, uh, to see the end result of kids ministry, uh, of, of, of the, of the work that we've done in kids ministry. Cause the, the difficult thing in kids ministry is, um, in leading is that you don't see results quickly. It's something that you plant in faith and you, and you leave the results to God and say, you know, I, I do the work, I water, I plant, but God gives the increase. And it's, and it can be very discouraging. And, um, like you're saying, you got to get stuff out. You got to get this plan, get it outside of your head, but you also have to say, okay, God help me to be faithful where you've planted me and to treat and to treat my job, not as a, not as a career, but as a vocation, as a calling to say, God, help me to be faithful where I am so that I can see, I can, I can be here long enough to see the end results uh, of the, of, of the things that this discipleship of what you're doing. Cause there's nothing more, I think, fulfilling for me than to see kids who I've, who I took out to McDonald's and, uh, walk them through difficulty of like kids being bullying them in, in elementary school for different things and to see them be successful Christ followers that have kids that are coming back to the ministry that we're doing. And, and that is, that comes from, uh, what that does that requires from you a little bit of sacrifice, you know, it requires some, some sacrifice on a certain level to say, you know, what I want, I want my kids to experience, what I experienced and I want my, and, and so then what happens is you, you disciple one generation, the next generation says, I want my kids to experience the same thing. You know what I heard, what I heard is almost like an artist, like, like let's say it's a hundred years ago and you're a, you're a blacksmith or, or a painter or a sculptor. What I hear is like a vocation is like that process of how can I do better or, or how can I be more effective? How can I be more fruitful or produce something that's, you know, more beautiful. And so I hear like this, this desire, just like the artist of, refining our craft and our vocation uh, over and over, just getting better and better at asking the right questions and leading children uh, into the presence of God and teaching them. I, I love that picture. Yeah, yeah totally. And, and I think that's so, so valuable for, um, for us, you know, is to think that the next thing is not more a bigger and better career for myself, but how can I, how can I be faithful with what God has given me in such a way that it produces the greatest amount of fruit from the gifts and the talents that God's entrusted in my care. Amen. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lasting faith today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.